Well, guys, we're going to do things a, a little different. For those of you that are new, um, usually we have one speaker come and, and just share their story. But we're going to have a, well, I don't know, we'll see how many folks uh, come up and, and share part of their stories with us. And so uh, first up here this morning, uh, Chandler, I want you to make your way on up here. Uh, I just met Chandler Means uh, this morning, but I was sent his name in an email. So that makes us really online friends already. So uh, <laughs> anyway, but we have Chandler just to share a little bit of, of his story with us. So welcome, Chandler Means. Well, I didn't know. Um, it's the first time I've been. Last time I came, they must, somebody must have heard. Y'all must have sent an email out that I was coming to say a word or two today. Because last time I came, I had to sit on the stage. It was so crowded, and uh, I said, well, I, I don't think I'm going to come back. I, if you don't get here at, you know, 655 or 650, you know, you weren't even sure there was food left. There was plenty of food, but uh, there was nowhere to sit. So it's been several months since I've been back here. I got the email yesterday. Uh, shot it off to Larry. said, hey, I, you know, I don't really know a whole lot to say, but, you know, I, I kind of have an interesting part of my life that I, that I wouldn't mind sharing and, um, because I think it's important. And, um, and I want to just say, say a few things about that today. Um, I got up this morning, uh, so I, let me just share a couple of quick things. I think they said five or six minutes, so five or six minutes usually means twice that long to me, but I, I, will, I will try not to, try not to do that. So, um, well, I did notice in the email it says we end promptly at 8, so uh, yeah, I do have to be respectful of that and the other people. So uh, my wife and I have been foster parents. Uh, for 16 years. So in 2004, I'm 62 years old. My wife just turned 63. I'll be 63 in April. So in 2004, we, um, I would say we heard this call uh, to become foster parents, but I'm not really sure that's what it was at the time. It would later very much become a call. Uh, but uh, my wife and I became foster parents. Um, in 2004, we had three daughters at the time, all still in high school. And over the next 16 years, we would be foster parents for a little over 30 children. Um, keep up with many of those children today. And uh, in fact, uh, a little boy that came into our home at 15 months old in 2007, uh, we are now his permanent guardian at 16. And so after uh, raising three daughters, uh, my wife and I, we are now raising a teenage boy. Um, that's, that's been a, that's been an interesting experience. I think the greatest shock of it all is when he got a car recently, got him a car and, um, and, and, uh, we got the insurance bill, <laughs> Whoa. you know, you know, those actuary guys, they feel di very different about girls, teenage girls than they do about teenage boys. So that was, that was quite a shock. So, um. So I got up this morning, my wife says, well, what are you going to talk about? You've, you only got five minutes, what are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about Nico. I'm going to say some things about Nico. In five minutes? That's what she said to me. So, um, so let me just share this story with you. I, I, and I really, I really want this to be about a call. And, and, I, and I, I, had a, I had a verse that I wanted to read because it goes right along with what you said. And may, in, in the song that we just sang, it's Isaiah 43, 19. And it says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. That's Isaiah 43, 19. I think that's Isaiah 43, 19. And, um, and I think this is a new year and a new way. And, and for most of us in this room, you know nothing about foster care. You, very, you probably know very little 
about the 8,300 kids in the state of Tennessee that are in foster care and about 2,500 in foster care in Middle Tennessee. And so just for a couple minutes, I want to share a story of Nico. Nico was a little boy. Uh, my wife and I moved here in uh, 2012. So we've been here 10 years, uh, 10 and a half years. And um, we were still foster parents. We've been foster parents in, in the Atlanta, Georgia area for about eight years. And then we were foster parents here for about eight years. And um, I remember when we first came here, we were kind of done with foster care. And, and then we got this call. We, our home was still open. We had transferred our, our, our certification to, from Tennessee to Georgia because we actually moved here with that little boy that is now 16 in my home. And he would go back to his parents later during COVID. He would lose his parents and he would return to live with us. Um, so uh, I remember my wife, she was kind of like, you know, I think maybe we're kind of done with this, kind of, you know, maybe we'll just help out. Maybe we'll do what's called respite care. And maybe sometime if you want to know more about foster care details, I'll be glad to share those things with you. But, um, but, but we get a call. We get a call like we've been here a year, I think, a little, 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 little over a year. We get a call from the Department of Children's Services. Hey, we have these two little girls. Could you? And, our, and it's like three days before Thanksgiving, and we're fixing to have a house full of guests for Thanksgiving. Well, what do we do? Well, I don't know. You know, what do you, you know, da-da-da, go on, talk about it. Well, and my wife always had this little thing. She would say, she would say, well, let me, let me check. What's their birthday? One of the little girl's birthdays was my wife's birthday. And for her, that was a sign that the Lord was saying, we need to accept these two little girls. So about 1 o'clock that morning, these two little girls show up at our house with a grocery sack from Kroger with a few little clothes in it. It's, it's, thir- it's, it's in November, and they, they have shorts and a little tank top thing that a two-year-old and a four-year-old might wear. And they had three shoes. They didn't even have four shoes. They only had three shoes between the two of them. And so these two girls would live in our home for the next uh, couple of years, and then they would return to their, their family, and um, that's, that's a long story. So... We have another opportunity. We're kind of done. We kind of think we're done. My wife, actually with those two little girls, is in a parking lot of the courthouse in Williamson County because those children are going back to their mother. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Reunification is always a good thing if it can work. So they're going back to their mother, heart-wrenching, heartbreaking. We really thought we might adopt these two children. The caseworker runs up to my wife, and she says, I can't do this anymore. It just, my, I can't do this anymore. You know, we've kind of put in our time, so to speak. And um, my wife says, um, you know, the lady said, we really have this one boy. We have this boy. We really need help with this boy. Nobody else in the state will take him. We've called through the whole state. Nobody else will, you know, consider this boy. My wife says, we just, you know, well, what's his birthday? <laughs> my mother-in-law and my daughter my youngest daughter, were born on the same day of the year. Not the same day, obviously. Same day of the year, July the 5th. What's his birthday? July the 5th. She has no idea why he's asking, why she's asking. July the 5th. Yes, we'll take this little boy. Yes, we'll take this little boy. This little boy was Nico. He was not quite three years old, and he had leukemia. The bad kind, the really bad kind, the kind that requires bone marrow transplants, radiation treatment, uh, chemo treatment, the bad kind. This was his second bone marrow transplant he was fixing to have as soon as they could get a donor. 
and they just wanted some place for him. They didn't think he would survive it, and they wanted some place for him to go so that he could have a normal life. He'd been in the hospital pretty much since he was six months old. And so we took this little boy. We go to the hospital, Centennial. They were great. Um, and and I, I won't go into all details just from a time standpoint. Guess what? That lady had no idea. We get the paperwork on this little boy, Nico. His birthday's not July the 5th. His birthday's July the 3rd. His birthday's July the 3rd. Which in my, my mind and my wife's mind, especially my wife's mind, that was even more of a call that we should take this child. That lady, that caseworker who we now are good friends with, she had no idea why Sherry was asking her that question. And she certainly had no idea what the right date was. So that little boy comes and lives in our home for a little over a year. I'll share this with you, and then I'll close just because I think it's, um, I don't want to take too much time. Um, so Nico was born on July the 2nd, 2014. He was six months old when he was diagnosed with this uh, acute myoblastic leukemia. Um, My wife, I won't go in, I won't, I won't read all this. I'm not sure I could, actually, so I won't read it. Um, my wife spent the next probably year and a half taking care of this little boy, first in the hospital and, um, then, and then in our home. I came home with a pick line, so um, basically every day he had, she had to, you know, give him medication through, through a pick line uh, for about probably three months after he came home. But there's a couple of things I, I, I want to just, this is kind of random, um, so we weren't really prepared to take care of a little boy in a hospital for the next three to four months um, around the clock. So Department of Children's Services did have somebody that would come in and watch him, but they were terrible. They didn't care about him. They were on their phone all the time. They didn't play with him. They didn't do anything with him. My daughter says, you know what? I'm going to send an email out to the church and see if we can get some help. For the next three months, uh, three shifts a day, four-hour shifts, three shifts a day, people from our church came and took care of this little boy with us. And, I, and I, I say that because it's a reminder of what God's people will do when they're called to do it, when they're called to do it. They weren't called to foster. We were called to foster. They were called to help a foster family foster. We couldn't have done that without them. And so for these next few months, I'll never forget, I want to tell you a quick funny story. Um, I'm coming home with Nico. He's, uh, I guess he's probably three and he turned three on July the 3rd. Uh, 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 one week after his second bone marrow transplant, he is now three years old. And, and we're driving home. He's the cutest little guy. He's never really been around kids at all his life. He's always been around adults. And we're driving home and he says to me, he says, pops, that's what he calls when he pops, pops. Where are all my friends? Because he'd had all these people in the hospital, and he'd been home with us for a few days, and he hadn't seen any of these people, and he wanted to know, Pops, where are all my friends? Um, so on uh, Labor Day, June 21st, or, or uh, 2021, Labor Day, we got a call from Nico's grandmother, who he had returned home with his grandmother and his siblings, that Nico had passed that morning. It's six years old. And so I, I kind of want to leave a message about being called. Listen for God's words. Listen for God to call you to something. Something, not just something that, I, you know, 
not just something that's uh, easy, something that's hard. When you foster 30 children in your home, when you take care of a little boy like my wife did, those are some pretty hard things, things that I would have never just said sign up for. Um, But once you're in it, once you say yes to that little thing, hard things come later. And they, they enrich your life. They bless your life. Um, they, they put you in a community of people you probably never would have selected or chosen to be a part of. Uh, they put you with groups of people that aren't like you. Another quick little funny story with Nico. I'm, I'm coming home one day. Nico's family obviously looked very different than the Franklin family and the Franklin friends that he hung around with at a Brentwood church. His family lived in Ashland City. They had a very different appearance about them. One day, we're co- he's coming to stay with us for a long weekend. I go pick him up in Ashland City. We're driving back, and little, little Nico there, he was six at the time. It was just before we found out. In fact, I think it was the trip we found out he had this uh, tumor. Um, and he says to me, he says, Pops, those trees are different. And I said, what do you mean they're different? Well, they're just different. And what he meant was they're different than the trees from where he had just come from in Ashland City. I remember exactly where we were. We were at 440 and 65. There's a pause. And then he says, Pops, people are different. They're just different. From a six-year-old boy, a 60-year-old man, learned a very important lesson that a little boy noticed that people are different. And so when you're in that foster care world, guess what? You're working with very different people than this, than living in Franklin, Tennessee, and going to church in Brentwood. And I think if I could leave you a message about doing hard things, it puts you into a community of people you would never have probably chosen to be in, but it will enrich and bless your life in ways you could have never imagined. I'll read this as I close, and thank you for giving me a little bit, little bit more time here. So I didn't write these words, but these words are sort of the sentiment of kind of what my wife and I think would feel about being a part of foster care. Foster care is my life calling. It's my, this comes from a lady named uh, Jenny, uh, Jenny, Jenny, I can't remember her last name, but she has a she has a uh, website or a, a podcast. She has podcasts but she, you know, on Instagram. She, it's called uh, Foster the Family. So if you wanted to look some things up about Jenny and being a foster parent, she writes about what foster parenting is like, and here's what she said. But, but, it, but you could replace foster care with other things in your ministry, other things that you could get involved in. Foster care is my life calling. It's my passion. Oh, excuse me. I know technology is great. I'm just not very good at it. Foster care is my life calling. It's my passion. It's one of my greatest joys. But what about when it's not? After a week like this, when the cost seems so great, when I've been consumed by sadness and anxiety, I must come back to why I became a foster mother to begin with. And really, it's not the kids or the parents, the smiles or the milestones. It's something, someone. It's something, someone else completely. I'm not a foster parent because I know that children need homes or because I believe families should be reunited or because I love adoption. I believe all those things. They're all true. I'm a foster parent because I love Jesus, because I want my life to be lived in surrender to him, my days to be spent up in worship of him. 
And these days, the crying, the stomach-turning, cost-ridden ones are when the truest worship is offered. These are the days when foster care is less about cuddling babies and more about giving myself as a living sacrifice. The days when gratitude is hard and my words of praise become a sacrifice of praise. They're the ones where I proclaim, all of this is not about me. It's all about you, Lord. It's all from you and through you and for you. And even in this, I will praise your name. Thank you for letting me share a little bit today.